0: Have you ever visited a website wanting something and got so irritated you left? Did you contact the company with tips on how to fix their website? Or did you switch to a competitor or give up altogether? This doesn't just happen with company websites. It can also happen with author websites. Your website uh, could be irritating readers and you may have no idea. Because most irritated readers won't tell you. They're too nice to tell you about what's irritating them. They'll just leave quietly. So what is the secret for making your website less irritating? How can you transform your website from irritating to thrilling? Well, keep listening to find out. Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm the Vulcan of book marketing, Thomas Umstead Jr., and this is the show for writers who want to build their platforms, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. So how do you transform your website from irritating to thrilling? How do you thrill your readers so much that they want to share your website with others? Well, the answer is actually very simple. Just put your readers' needs first. Build your website for your readers not for yourself. Readers come to your website for a reason. They want something, and if they can find that thing that they are looking for, they will leave happy. Otherwise, they will leave irritated. This is why getting to know your readers is so helpful and why it's so important. Why I keep pushing. Get to know your readers. Find your Timothy. If you are building your website out of a self-centered place, Where it's all about you, you're off to a bad start. Instead, see your website as an act of service to your readers. If your website is a love letter to your readers, if it's an act of love for your readers, it will never be irritating. Now that's very big picture. That's very abstract. So let's take it and talk about specific irritations, specific things that irritate readers about author websites and what to do about them. So the first irritation I would like to talk about is that they can't easily buy your latest book. The primary reason readers visit an author website is to buy a book. (laughs) The most author websites make readers hunt from page to page looking for a way to buy the book. Buying your book should not require the hero's journey. So the most common way that this manifests itself is that the book cover's Don't click to a place to buy the book. This is the only place you'll ever see this. Everywhere else on the web, if readers see a book cover, they expect to be able to click on that book cover to go to a place to buy the book, especially on sites like Amazon or other bookstores. Whereas on an author website, sometimes they click the book cover and all it does is make the website disappear and all now they see is the book cover. Uh, That's not helpful. (laughs) So instead, turn your book covers into links to a page with buy buttons for your book. If your book only exists on Amazon, if you're indie published and your book only is on Amazon, maybe just send readers straight to Amazon. That's okay. But if your book is available in multiple bookstores, you want to send them to a book page on your website where they can easily see buttons to go to the website they want. Why? Because not all readers like Amazon. Some readers really dislike Amazon for one reason or another. And I will say the free plugin, My Book Table, makes it easy to add buy buttons for multiple bookstores. In fact, you can create a buy button for any bookstore in the world, and this can easily thrill your readers. In fact, it even has a search bar to help find indie bookstores in their area. And I will also say, give your most recent book very prominent placement on your homepage. So every time you launch a new book, it means that you need to redesign your homepage. Not the whole website, just update the homepage so that one of the first things people see Is a large version of your book cover with a very easy way to buy it. If you just do this, you will be less irritating and you'll sell more books and make your readers more happy. Uh, The second way that authors irritate readers with their website is that they can't find the status of your work in progress. This is really important, especially for unpublished authors. If you've never written a book before, you're still working on your first book. It's common for authors to be like, what do I put on my website? Well, you put your progress on the book that you're writing. This is what readers are looking for. People are hearing you talk about your book. Hopefully you're getting some buzz going as you talk with people and people ask you what you do and you tell them what they, you're writing a book and maybe a few months later they're like, oh, I wonder if that person finished the book. What's the progress? And they go to your website to find out. And uh, often they can't find any information or no up-to-date information. And this is a real missed opportunity because the act of keeping your readers up-to-date with your writing, just knowing that you have to write a blog post every month saying what you've done this month may motivate you to do some more writing. So it's a (laughs) win-win. And it is a really great way of building that excitement, building that anticipation. Uh, Another way to do this, uh, other than writing blog posts, talking about your progress, is with a progress bar. Uh, Brandon Sanderson very famously does this really well. He has on his homepage right at the top progress bars for all of his works in progress. He typically writes two or three books at the same time. He'll write like the rough draft of one book and then he'll go to edit the rough draft of another book. So he has different books at different phases and he kind of gives his brain a break from one book by working on another book, which is part of his secret to writing so many books. (laughs) But uh, a lot of people are curious about the status of a certain book and he has it right there on his homepage. In fact, I found myself going to Brandon Sanderson's website so often to check his progress bars that I had my company develop a plugin called My Book Progress that <laughs> makes it easy for other authors to add Brandon Sanderson like progress bars to their website. I don't maintain that plugin anymore. I sold my book progress and my book table to Stormhill Media, but you can still get those plugins. You can still add them to your website. There are free versions of both of those plugins, and you can uh, very easily add a progress bar to your website that will also help you keep up to date with your writing, it helps motivate you to keep writing. The third irritation of author websites is that readers can't easily contact you. And this is a shame because readers will tell you a lot about themselves. And the more you get to know your readers, the better you can thrill them, right? A lot of authors like, how do I get to know my readers? And yet they put all of these barriers in between themselves and the readers. And this isn't just a tragedy with your readers trying to contact you. What happens when the host or a producer of a major TV show or radio show needs to contact you to get you on to fill an opening that just appeared on their schedule, right? I know exactly what this is like. I used to have a drive time radio show and I had to talk for 2 hours every day, and sometimes a guest would drop out and I needed somebody very quickly. You know, and so it, could I contact you if I wanted to have, if I still had that radio show and I wanted to have you on as a guest. Could I get a hold of you fast enough? If a reporter from the New York Times wants to get your quote on an upcoming story, could she call you? Right? Is there a way for somebody to get a hold of you? A good contact page needs to have more than a contact form. I have at Author Media my mailing address on my contact page, and I get a steady stream of listener books. It's really fun. I enjoy getting books from listeners. I get some really nice notes. It is one of the things that keeps me going, quite frankly, in in doing the show for so many years. Why is this the longest-running book marketing podcast? Well, part of it is I get some really nice real-life, in my hand notes and books from listeners. And it's really encouraging to see books uh, that were launched in, you know, because I helped, right? I wasn't the one who wrote them, but I contributed in in some small way. And that's very rewarding. Now, I will say that address is not my home address. You can't, if you go there, you'll find that you're at a UPS store. (laughs) I got a box at a UPS store. I used to have a PO box, but the UPS store allows for FedEx deliveries and UPS deliveries as well as United States Postal Service delivery. So it's better for receiving packages. And so that's one option, right? If you're wanting to get more reader fan mail, you maybe have an address for them to send it to you. (laughs) So and then another way that I have for people to contact me and I encourage you to have for people to contact you is a phone number. Now, hold on. Don't freak out. There's a way to do this. Not saying you put your cell phone number on your website. Savvy authors are easy to contact and hard to interrupt. So give readers many ways to contact you, but no way to interrupt you while you're writing. So how do you give them a phone number without allowing them to interrupt you? Well, the answer is Google Voice. Google Voice will give you for free a phone number. And you can share that phone number on your website. And if people call it and leave a voicemail, Google will transcribe that audio into text. And you can glance at it very quickly. And so you can see, oh, this is somebody trying to sell me a scam. And oh, this person is from the Washington Post and they want to interview me about my book. I should probably call them back right away. <laughs> you can also receive text messages to this number. And you can even, if you want to, have that phone number ring through to your cell phone. Or maybe you want it only to ring through to your cell phone for two or three hours a day. You can set that up. You can set a schedule. So I want it to ring my cell phone during business hours Otherwise, I want it to go straight to voicemail, or I want it to go straight to voicemail pretty much all the time. Another way to protect yourself from interruptions is to turn off notifications. <laughs> turn off Facebook notifications. One of the best things you can do for Facebook is just turn off the notification when somebody likes your content, because that constantly brings you back to Facebook, and it's not very helpful to see that. Turn off email notifications. If Outlook is dinging every five minutes, you'll never get any writing done. <laughs> turn off Any little red circle is an enemy of your productivity. So just spend five minutes, turn off all the little red circles, and you'll find yourself far more productive. You'll write more, and you'll be a happier person. Those red circles are not designed for you. They're designed for the company creating the little red circles. And every phone, every computer has a way for you to turn those off or or turn them off in most instances. You know, I still have them turned on when my wife texts me, for instance. So some people can still create a notification on my phone or on my computer, uh, but uh, not many people because I I need to focus. I have a lot going on and I have enough distractions running around uh, with my toddlers. So I don't need more coming from my computer. One other tip when it comes to being easy to contact is make sure you test your contact form on your website from time to time. It's easy to set up a contact form incorrectly and for messages to go into the void and you never know that they're going into the void. So if you've noticed that you haven't had a reader contact you recently on your contact form, go fill it out. You know, Put the name as test person, type in some kind of basic information, put in uh, all that info and see if the contact form actually appears In your mailbox when it comes to contact form plugins i personally use gravity forms and if you have a company building your website that's probably what they're going to use that's kind of the gold standard but it's a little pricey if you're getting it for your own website and so the free contact form seven is the popular free option for contact forms and then another thing to put on your contact page is your social media right? Social media is a good way for people to get a hold of you. And a good use of social media is listening to readers, right? They are telling you about themselves. They're telling you about what they want and who they are. And maybe they want to reach out to you by sending you a tweet. Well, that's okay. You don't have to be active on Twitter to receive tweets from readers. And you're not going to get that many if you're not active. So why not? The next irritation for readers is that they can't find your website on Google. <laughs> I'm often shocked how many authors don't rank for their own book titles on Google. Assuming readers don't quite remember how to spell your name, <laughs> and basically there's two kinds of authors in this world. Authors with names that are hard to spell and authors who have other people with their same name. <laughs> That's those are the only two categories. If you are somebody who your name is easy to spell and there's no one else that you're fighting for your name, you are Fortunate indeed. So readers often will search for the book title because the book title may be a little bit more unique than the author's name. And often when they type in your book title, and you can test this with your book right now, do a Google search for your book title and see what the first result is. Most likely it's not your website, which is a really big missed opportunity. And sometimes it's not your website at all. You're not on any of the top 10 uh, results for your book title as your own website. Why would this be? Why would you not be ranking for your own book title on your own website? Well, the number one reason I've noticed working with authors for the last decade or more, 15 years, I think, it's been a long time. I, I lose track. It started in 2007, so that is 15 years almost. Um, it's the number one reason this whole time is that there's no single page on a website for the book. The book often gets mentioned in a lot of different places here and there, but there's no single place for Google to send people. And since there's no single page, Google sends people somewhere else. This is a really big lost opportunity and a real irritation for readers because they want to find a page that has everything. Buttons to buy the book, reader group, questions, every single piece of information about the book, maps of the story world. They all want to find it and they want to find it on one page. They don't want to hunt around a dozen different pages to find that. And so if you do create a page for your book that has all of the information about your book, it's much more likely to rank for Google. (laughs) In fact, it's almost guaranteed to rank for Google. And this is why I created the My Book Table plugin. So I already mentioned it earlier. My Book Table helps in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways it really helps is that people who use My Book Table tend to rank number one or number two for their book uh, title because it creates a really solid book page that has the kind of information that Google's looking for to send people to. Now the plugin is now maintained by Stormhill Media, so if you have, you know, tech support questions or if you have feature ideas, don't send them to me. I don't I don't I don't do that anymore. <laughs> but it is still a great plugin and you can still get it. Now, some authors not only not rank for their own book titles, but they also don't rank for their own names. And this is because they often write their home pages in first person. So instead of saying I am a best-selling author, your homepage should say John Smith is a best-selling author. You want to mention your name several times on your homepage. Same with your about page. You know, if you never mention your own name on your own website, then how does Google know that your website is about you? <laughs> so it's um, so there's a great tool for WordPress called Yoast SEO. It's a plugin that you can install, and it will help you optimize each page for the keyword that you want to rank for. So your homepage, the focus keyword should be your name. That should also be the focus keyword for your about page. And for your book page, the focus keyword should be the title of your book. And if you want more help with SEO, there's a lot. SEO is very deep. I'm actually in the process right now of recording a whole course on SEO tips for authors. It's going to be a part of my course, Obscure No More. But we also have 15 articles and episodes on SEO that I'll link to at the show notes at authormedia.com slash 291 for episode 291. The next irritation for readers on an author website is that they can't browse your backlist. If you've been writing for a while, there's a chance that you have quite a few books in your backlist, and it's really easy to be so focused on the last book that came out and the next book that you're working on. The backlist books become abandoned children. They become the stepchild that nobody cares about. And if these backlist books are not selling well, your website may be partly to blame. So what I recommend is that you create a books page on your website that lists all of the books that you have written. And this page shouldn't have a lot of information about each book. It should talk about like, here's the series and the order and the title of the book and the cover, but that's about it. And then when they click the book cover or they click the book title, it takes them to a whole page about the book. And this is great because it creates a place for people to kind of discover all the different books you've written while also having a specific page for each individual book that Google can send people to. And this really helps with SEO. It's a page that My book Table will build for you automatically, which is really nice. If you're using MyBookTable, it already it takes all your books and puts them on a book page with the links. All done really well. And the more, uh, if you do this, you may be like, but I only have one book, or I'm still working on my first book. Why do I need this? Well, if you're using my book table from the beginning, it won't be more work down the road. <laughs> so it saves you a lot of time in the long run if you build a good foundation. And do make sure that you have your series. If, you, if you're writing multiple series or you're writing your books in a series, make sure you have that series order on your website. Because I will say personally, one of the big things I visit an author's website to find is the order of the books in the series. Because as an audiobook listener, I don't get back matter. I don't get the page that says, here's the next book uh, to buy. And Audible does a really terrible job helping me figure out what the next book is. I just binged a whole series of books. And finding the next one was a hassle every time. It was <laughs> five books in the series. And with each one, I didn't know. I had to like do research. And the author website wasn't very good. And it was very irritating. And so it was, Audible dropped the ball, but the author also dropped the ball. If he had had a good website, uh, I would have signed up for his newsletter. I wanted to sign up for his newsletter. After I'd read five books, I was excited. I wanted to join his newsletter. And yet he didn't have a good website. <laughs> there was no way to join the newsletter, which was, a, which was a shame. And yet you are all benefiting. My irritation has led to this episode. <laughs> so like I said, my book table plugin will help you with this. And if you want to see it done well, Liz Curtis Higgs has a really good um, books page where you can browse her backlist, and I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Another irritation for readers is that they can't find a high-definition image of you, your book, or your map. Now, this is a, another personal pet peeve of mine. I don't do a lot of pet peeve episodes, but this, I guess, is turning into that. But hopefully, it's, it's helpful to you. So I listen to a lot of science fiction and fantasy books on audio, and it frustrates me when I can't find a high-resolution map of the story world. And, you know, sometimes the only way to get a map is to buy a paper copy of the book. And even then, you get this tiny map. <laughs> big stories deserve big maps. And the best way to deliver a big map is on the internet. <laughs> so put a big map for your story world on your website. You already have the map. It's not hard to add it. And you know you've got a good-sized image when I can pinch and zoom on my phone to see the specific part of the map the story is taking place right now. That's great. If you will do that, you will make listeners like me very happy. And for bonus points, you know, create a whole blog post of all of the different maps for your book. You don't have to have just one, especially once it's online. You're not limited with printing technology. You can have a map of the world. You can have a map of the city. You can have a map of a castle or a, a floor plan for a house. All of this can be really helpful and really interesting. And a good example of doing this well is Jill Williamson. I'll link to a blog post that she wrote. She's got maps of the world, maps of the different countries of her world, maps of the cities, floor plans of towns. She even has a few battle maps where the formations are laid out. Uh, It's really fun and it makes me want to read the book. (laughs) So it's a well done uh, page of maps and a really great use of of an author blog. Now in preparation for this episode, I asked a question on authormedia.social asking, Listeners like you for their irritations as readers when they go to author websites. And I think this may become a practice for all of my future episodes. So if you're not on authormedia.social, uh, you really need to sign up. It doesn't cost you any money and allows you to influence what I talk about on the podcast. And as listener Harley said, I don't like it when they don't have a photo that I can use in a blog post. And oh my goodness, Harley, I have this same irritation when I'm doing a presentation and I want to talk about an author's book. Or if I'm writing a blog post and I want to talk about an author's book, I want to be able to find a really good, high-quality version of that book cover, and I want to find a good, high-quality version of that author's headshot. And often that is really hard to find. All that's on the website are tiny thumbnails that don't look good on a projector, and there's no way to work with them, um, to work them into a blog post image. So it's really irritating and really unnecessary. So you want to have at least one large version of your headshot, your book cover, and, of course, the map of your story world. If you're writing fantasy, science fiction, historical fiction, really anything that has a map. I know an author who uh, is writing biblical fiction, and you'd think, if there's one kind of fiction that doesn't need a map, it's biblical fiction. Not true. He he used mapping software and created all these wonderful maps for his biblical fiction of these various towns in the biblical stories. So eh, maps are great everyone, authors need to make more maps. (laughs) Okay. Uh, The next irritation is annoying pop-ups. Several people on authormedia.social pointed this out. And and adding, I will say, adding a pop-up to your website can be one of the best ways to grow your email list. When we first added a pop-up to authormedia.com, we went from adding 30 new emails a month to adding 300 new emails a month. It was a dramatic change. The problem is not the pop-up Itself. The problem is the annoying part. It's the irritating part. Sometimes readers come to your website specifically to sign up for your email newsletter, and those readers are happy to see a pop-up, and other readers would be happy to see a pop-up if they first got a chance to get to know you first. The problem is with the pop-up's timing. A pop-up that pops up immediately is annoying. No one is ready to act that soon. No one knows you yet. They came looking for something. They need a chance to find the thing they're looking for. They need a chance to make sure they're on the right website. So don't have your pop-up pop right away. You need to let someone get to know you before you can ask them out on a date. I mean, ask them to join your email list. (laughs) They won't sign up for your email list until they trust you, and they can't trust you until they first get to know you. So the key with a good pop-up is to put it on a timer. Pop-ups work, but they only work if you put them on a timer. I recommend at least 30 seconds and maybe 45 seconds before the pop-up pops. And then don't pop it in the middle of the page necessarily. Pop it in the corner. Pop it along the bottom of the page. This will reduce reader frustration, reader irritation, and increase your sign-up rate. And I use Bloom, and it's also what I recommend. Uh, It's a part of the Divi uh, framework. So when you get the Divi theme for uh, WordPress, it comes with Bloom included, which is amazing because Bloom's top competitors are like $10 a month or $20 a month. Whereas when you get Divi one time, you get it for a lifetime. And you get Bloom for a lifetime too. It's amazing. Uh, In fact, I know authors who sign up for Elegant Themes to get Divi and Bloom for a lifetime, just for Bloom. <laughs> they're not using the Divi theme. They're just using the Bloom plugin for pop-ups. And Bloom allows you to put pop-ups on a timer. It allows you to do corner pop-up poppers, bottom poppers, and even set a site-wide. If someone closes the pop-up, don't show it to them again for another so many days or so many hours. It gives you a lot of control, really easy. allows you to make really beautiful opt-ins where you can both have your happy readers and and your growing email list at the same time. I've been using Bloom for years, and and I love it. Uh, The final irritation, the final way that author websites irritate uh, readers, or at least the final way I'll talk about in this this episode, there's more than we're talking about here, Uh, but that is being mobile unfriendly. Uh, Not every reader has a computer in front of them. In fact, you probably don't have a computer in front of you right now. Maybe you do. Some of you listen on computers to this show. But most people listen on a smartphone. <laughs> they have an app like Podcast Addict that downloads new episodes automatically. But in the same is true with readers, right? They may have a computer, but it's far away and it's turned off. But they always have a phone in their pockets. For most people, the last thing they touch at night is their phone. The first thing they touch in the morning is is their phone, <laughs> and the way they're likely visiting your website is on their phone, and yet many authors build the computer version of their websites first, and the phone version is an afterthought. This is 20th century thinking and may be irritating your readers. Your website may be broken for mobile, and you may not even know it because you're visiting it on your computer, <laughs> so when you build a website, make sure it looks great on phones, and this is where Divi, which I already mentioned. Uh, Comes in Divi, which is a a theme for WordPress, but it's drag and drop like Wix and Squarespace. So it gives you the power of WordPress that allows you to use the powerful WordPress plugins, but also allows you to really easily make changes to your website with drag and drop. And it gives you instant preview of what your website will look like on mobile and allows you to make mobile-only changes without touching any code. That's right. You can edit the mobile responsiveness of your website in Divi including having some things not appear at all on mobile if you want, uh, without changing any code. You have no idea what a big deal this is. (laughs) I used to run a web design agency, and we used to spend hours and hours editing CSS files to try to get pages to respond correctly in mobile versions, and proving it was always a hassle, and to be able to do it with just a few clicks in Divi is just mind-blowing. So I'll have an affiliate link for Divi if any of you want to check it out. I know a lot of you are already using Divi and it's really great for mobile. So if you haven't played around with the mobile features of Divi, uh, do check it out because it's, it's really quite robust. You just click the little tablet icon to see your website in tablet view and click the phone icon to see your website in phone view. And really make an effort to make that mobile version have all of the content in a really good way. And I'll say the one most annoying thing that you can put on a website that doesn't work well for mobile is a slider. Sliders slide side to side and everything on a phone goes up and down. And so one of the best things you can take off of your website if you want it to be mobile friendly is the slider. Take the content that was in your slider that was sliding side to side and just put it on the page lower down the page. People can scroll really easily now. The idea of above the fold and below the fold, and the idea that scrolling is hard—that's not true. It was anymore. It was true with Windows ninety-five and AOL. And you had to click the down arrow to scroll down on a page, but that hasn't been true for a long time. Now scrolling down is really easy. People will scroll down on Facebook for miles, literally miles, of flicking. If if the paper, uh, if. Facebook was a piece of paper or TikTok or whatever, Instagram. They're flicking, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling for an hour. You scrolled, you know, maybe a tenth of a mile or something. So people have no problem scrolling down, but they have a real problem scrolling side to side. So take that slider off of your website to make it less annoying. If you're wanting more help on making your website amazing for readers, I have a course called The Seven Secrets of Amazing Author Websites. And this course is all about how to make your website thrill, your readers. And here's the best part, the course is free. <laughs> so I walk you through building a website yourself if you want to, but it also has general principles. If you're working with a web designer to build your website on how to kind of craft the website to be for your readers rather than being for yourself. So it's both the big picture, how to overall make your website more helpful, but also the really specific, here's how to set up Divi, here's how to set up WordPress hosting, etc. And so you can check that out at authormedia.com. Just go to Courses. I have seven secrets of amazing author websites. I will say I'm in the process of getting Author Media redesigned, which is a big deal. I have worked on the homepage of Author Media in quite some time, not since uh, we brought in and merged Author Media and Novel Marketing. So novelmarketing.com used to be a separate website from authormedia.com. And we merged those sites and I've kind of bolted them on to each other. And and now I'm in the process of doing a redesign where everything will be hopefully more integrated and easier to use. And where you can find older uh, posts and older episodes a little bit easier. So uh, I'll probably be sharing some things on authormedia.social as we're working and uh, letting you know as the new website uh, is coming. I'm trying to practice what I preach. And I do want your feedback. If you find my website annoying, do let me know. (laughs) Be the exception. Let me know how I can make the AuthorMedia.com website a better service to you, my listener. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who listen to the show and especially to those of you who support the show on Patreon. Patreon is where you can financially keep the podcast running this is an expensive show to put on and it is how I supply or provide for my family it's this podcast and the courses. I don't have a day job. This is my job helping you uh, sell more books and build a platform. And if you do want to become a patron, uh, some of the perks include a bonus episode every month that's only for patrons where I answer patrons questions and also some really cool discounts on our courses access to the podcast host directory, and a whole lot more. So if you're curious, just go to authormedia.com, and we have links to Patreon there, or go to patreon.com and do a search for Novel Marketing. The Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of Author Media, and this episode's audio was edited by William Umstead. The blog post is by Shauna Letellier, and I am Thomas Umstat Jr., your host. To find the blog post version of this episode, go to authormedia.com forward slash 291. And it's where you'll find links to everything we talked about, and I hope you find them helpful. Thank you for listening, and live long and prosper.